will walk back. So, Lord, I thank you and I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ, Amen. the head of my life, my Lord, my Savior. And uh, I give honor to all the, to Pastor Wise Away, to all the elders, you know, one here already, all the elders, and to all the dignitaries. And last but not least, to my wife. Thank God for Moochie. My Moochie. Hallelujah. Somebody said to me once, uh, when we got married, he looked at her and, and he said, the brother said, sis, this is your craziness. And he was right. And he said to me, this is my balance. And which she is. You know. So uh, today, my subject today is, it's war. Are you prepared? And I'm going I'm to talk about, there's many wars, but there's one I'm going to talk about, the war on Pearl Harbor. Okay? It said the underlining, it said the United States was unprepared for that. The, the underlining cause of the error of judgment was general short confidence that Japan would not then attack Pearl Harbor. In fairness to him, it must be must be born to it that his belief was shared and by almost everyone concerning, including his superior officers and the War Department in Washington. He was undoubtedly influenced in such a belief that by, by then prevailing, he said, we certainly underestimate, he certainly underestimated the Japanese military capabilities and particularly the advance which they had made in use of aircraft. General Shaw also knew that the Navy the Navy, the Navy command at Hawaii, which he, read, he regarded as being better informed than he because of their fertilities, my accent getting in the way, my, his facilities and widespread nature of their operation, was confidence that an air attack on Pearl Harbor was most unlikely, which we know that wasn't the case. <laughs> this, to sum up the strategy of the situation intensely, General Strzok was warned by Washington that there was immediate danger both of an attack from without by Japan and of an attack from within by sabotage. This warning required him to be alert against both forms of danger, but he chose to concentrate himself on entirely upon our defense against sabotage and to leave himself more completely exposed to attack from without than if there had been no alert at all. He so concentrated his planes as not only to make them an easy target, for an attack from without, but to require several hours to get any substitute number of them into the air for defense. He was unprepared. The United States was unprepared for attack from above. They didn't think that would happen. And here we have an Ephesian. I want to talk about the war. We have an enemy, and that's the devil. I know. Don't talk about him and he won't bother you. Don't, shh, don't say nothing. That's what he wants. He don't, we need to know who our enemy is. Amen. We need to know how to counterattack his, his taxes. We need to be prepared for his attacks. How do we get prepared? Paul said, finally. He said, finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. 
said, put on the whole armor of God. He said, uh, 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 God has given us spiritual weapons to pull down strongholds to defeat the enemy. In any combat situation, you want to be well informed of what your weapons are at your disposal and well trained on how to use them. And Psalm 144, 1 said, Blessed be the Lord my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Amen. Come on now. He said, Our Christian courts, our Christian courts, and to, uh, this is here to encourage our Christian courts and to engage, encourage us in our Christian warfare. It is not our, is not our life a warfare? It is so. For we struggle with common calamities of human life. It's not our religion much more warfare. It is so. For we struggle with the opposition of the powers of darkness and with many enemies who will keep us from God and heaven. We have enemies to fight against, a captain to fight for, a banner to fight under, and a certain rules of wars by which we are to govern ourselves. For the weapons of our warfare are not coddled, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And verse 1 and 10, he said, Paul said that, he said, he said, 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 finally, finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Yet he said that they must see that they be stout-hearted, brave and, 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 and dauntless, uh, firmly resolved or determined, bold, fixed, meaning business, meaning business. Come on now. He said, finally, be strong. He said, so, so this is prescribed, be strong in the Lord, not in yourself. But in the Lord, he said, this is uh, uh, those who have so many battles to fight and who are on their way to heaven must dispute every pass with dirt or sword and have need of a great deal of courage. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong, therefore, strong for service, strong for suffering, strong for fighting. Be strong in the Lord. Enter in his course, either in his course and for his sake or rather his strength. Not in your strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. But you got to let Christ strengthen you first. He said, be strong in the Lord, not in yourself. Don't be strong in the pastor. Don't be strong in your wife. Don't be strong in your husband. But be strong in the Lord. Paul said, you, he, he needs somebody who said, who's going to stand flat-footed. Who's going to say, now, be strong in the Lord and ready to do battle. He said, Sue, he said, they must be well armed. Put on the whole armor of God. What are you putting on? Uh oh. Put on the whole armor of God. Make use of all the proper defenses and weapons for repelling the temptations and the strategy of Satan. Come on now. Said the wiles of the devil. Those are tricks and, and, and those are strategies and pitfalls he has for you. He said, put on the whole armor. Get, get, get and exercise all the Christian grace. The armor that, the, the, the whole armor that no part be naked exposed to the enemy. In other words, get dressed. Get dressed in the armor. It's good that we could get dressed in our clothes. We don't want you to go around naked. But some of us are walking around spiritually naked. And Paul talking about you need to put on the whole armor of God that you can withstand the onslaught of the enemy. That you can withstand the attack. We don't want to be like Pearl Harbor now. That not, oh, he's not going to attack this way, but I'm watching this way. But then he comes this way. See, the enemy is not going to come at you straight. 
He's going to come at you every which way, least when you think he will come. Amen. Come on now. He says, he says, he says, be it's called the armor of God because he both prepares and bestows it. That reminds me of 1 Samuel chapter 17, 8 to 10, where Goliath was talking smack. Come on now. He was talking bad, big smack to the armies of God. Samuel, man, come on out. I'm here. I'm ready. You know, and it is told about a young man, a shepherd. Young David couldn't believe his eyes. Yeah, Goliath was nine feet, covered from head to toe with armor. But David knew that this giant was no match for God. David told King Saul, don't worry about this guy. I'll go finish him. I'll fight him. Hallelujah. Being strong in the Lord. Uh, Saul put his own armor uh, signifying that David was fighting in Saul's name. But I like what David said. He said, he said, he said hey, hold up, Doc. <laughs> I, I, this armor had not been tested. Uh, I, it doesn't fit well with me. Uh, David said, I'm going in the power of the Lord. I'm going in the armor of God. David went in God's name. Come on. David won the victory because he didn't put on somebody else's armor, but he put on the armor of God. See, a lot of times we put on somebody else's armor and we wonder why we can't win. We wonder why we're falling flat on our face. We wonder why we're tripping here and tripping there. But when you go in the armor of God, come on, that's the confidence that you have that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. No giant in hell can come against you. Come on now. I like what David did. David said, hey, ha, ha, I ain't going in King Saul's name. David remembered how the Lord delivered the lion into his hand. How he delivered the bear in his hand. David remembered that. That's exactly what we must do. Shooting up in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. He said, so we have no armor of our own. That will be armor proof in a trying time. Nothing will stand us instead but the armor of God. This armor is prepared for us. But we must put it on. God prepared an armor for you. But we must put it on. We can't talk all that stuff and be armless. If I said it right. We, we got to be armor up. If I said it right, because the enemy don't the enemy uh, don't want to fight you when you armor up. But there's more to it now. That's the preparation now. Nothing will withstand us instead but the armor of God. This armor we must put on. The reason assured when the Christian should completely be completely armed is that he may be able to stand against the wilds of the devil. The strategies of the devil, the tricks. See, the devil will come to hoodwink you, bamboos you, put a three-car Monty on you. Oh, come on now. Somebody know about the three-car Monty. Now you see it, now you don't. Here it is. There you go. Come on. And the truth be told, we all had a three-car Monty run on us one time or another. Come on now. So we need the armor to fight. And, 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 and over here, he, say, he goes on to say, as we know in Ephesians 6, 10, 18, the first piece of armor Paul recommends is truth. 
Stand therefore, go to having go to your weights with truth. In other words, to prepare oneself for action, to provide, equip, hemmed in. This verse seems to imply that the arm of God comes with a girdle. <laughs> we, now, I know a lot of you women look at Back in the days, you had girdles. I know y'all, and the girdle will hold everything in place. That's what the girdle was for, to keep everything in place so nothing will fall, the stockings won't fall, everything. I know the young ones say, what's the girdle? But this is not about binding the body into a, a slimming shape. Come on. It instead describes a belt that can be hitched, a belt that can be hitched. Our robes high so we do not have to take. See, back then, the Roman soldiers, and it's funny because Paul, when he was locked up, he had to look at these soldiers all the time. And that's what Paul was talking about, the armor of God, because he took the armor of the soldiers, and he described each piece of their armor and what it was for and how they use it to put it spiritually for us. See, the belt of truth, when you lock it on, and the soldiers then, they had a good piece that protect their value organs. Wait, I said value organs, right. My accent. It protect the, 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 the part that was vulnerable. Come on. It would fall in front. That would keep the soldier from getting kicked there, stabbed there. Oh, you're, 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 not get, you're, you're, you're laughing, right? But the spiritual belt of truth is the same thing to cover us from sexual sins. I'm going to take that. You can try 31 flavors. That is to guard us. Because he who finds a wife finds a good thing from the Lord. Am I right? Come on now. Hallelujah. There are a man of one wife. Come on. That protects us from there. The purpose of the truth is to give us clarity about who we are in Christ and our callings and our purpose. God's truth is his word. Come on now. We not only protect our vulnerabilities, you know, okay, our part, but we also keep us from being entangled in the enemy's deception. The belt provides one us to be ready for action. The Christian always needs to be ready to defend themselves against the powers of darkness not, and not be caught unaware. You can be prepared in every circumstances, in every circumstance by making certain that you are a person of truth. And no, no liar can wear the belt of truth. See, a lie can't be mixed with the truth. Because when you mix a lie with the truth, it becomes all a lie. Uh, come on, uh, a little yeast. Come on, Leavener, come on now. You, you, you can't contaminate the truth with a lie. So you must be a person of truth. You must not be a liar. Well, I, I'm not talking about nobody here but the people the church down the block down there. <laughs> we make certain that you are a person of truth. This includes living as a person of integrity. As someone who is honest and trustworthy. And 1 Peter 2, 12 says, live such good lives that though they accuse you of doing wrong, 
they may see your good deeds and glorify God. So the better truth is, is, is for us to be, uh, have integrity, to speak the truth, uh, to live a life uh, such that people are not going to read the Bible, but they're going to read your lives. Now, how are you talking about that? You're a Christian, and, and you're telling stories, fables, and whatnot. How are you saying that? But the belt of truth. See, the devil don't like it when a Christian comes with the belt of truth. He can't stand against them then because, see, we got the truth on. I'm going, and also is to hitch up so we don't get entangled into the, the pit, the lies that the devil set forth for us. See, the belt of truth help us to sidestep and, and skip over here and jump over here so we don't fall into the pitfalls that the devil has set for us. The belt of truth, that's what he said. That's the first thing he said, but you got to have the belt of truth first. First. He didn't say put anything else on first. He said the belt of truth. Hallelujah. And then he goes on and says, ah. It says, it says, so Satan hates the face of a believer who has the belt to buckle around his waist. Then he goes and uh, uh, we must put on, he said, he, he keep going, he said, we, we must put on what? The breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness must be our breastplate. For it shelters our hearts. For the righteousness of Christ and put it into us is our breastplate against the hours of divine wrath. The righteousness of Christ implanted and us is in our breastplate to fortify the heart against attacks which Satan makes against us. For all of the heart perceives what? The issues of life. So the breastplate protects the heart from that. Hallelujah. For our own righteousness is like filthy rags. And the problem with filthy rags is that they do not protect us from Satan attacks. You're not good enough. You don't deserve God's love. You should be ashamed. God will never forgive you. Come on. Hallelujah. See, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for me. I make it personal for me. Hallelujah. And that brings me to a and DreamWorld. DreamWorks on 2004 movie Shrek 2. Come on now. I love watching Shrek. Princess Falana, parents invited, invited Falana and her new husband to dinner to, and discovered that their daughter was not only married to a green ogre, but also turned into one herself. <laughs> Hallelujah. As Falana's father, father tried to break this up so that he could get her back to her former suitor, when Falana and Strick tried to seal their happiness ever after with a kiss, the evil godmother attempts to use her dark magic against Shrek by declaring, but ogres weren't meant to live happy after. The words were meant to destroy Shrek, but seeing the powerful words stemming towards Shrek, Falona's father jumps in front of the evil declaration. The evil words deflect off the shininess of his breastplate and return to hit the evil godmother who poofed out of the picture. Oh, you're not getting this. So when the devil come at you and he started to say, you're not good enough, God don't love you because you got the breastplate of righteousness, it will hit the breastplate of righteousness and bounce right back and poof, he's gone. Come on now. Hallelujah. 
He said, he said, he said deflect it. So, so, so the purpose cannot, they, it will not hit their mark. It will be deflected. Second Thessalonians 3, 3. But the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. Amen. That's what it's like when we wear our king's righteousness. Because our 50 rags have been exchanged for his righteousness, the enemy words and accusation cannot penetrate this armor and will poof right out of our lives. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glory standard. Yet God freely and graciously declared that we are righteous. He did this through Jesus Christ, freed us from the penalty of our sins. In Romans 3, 23, 24, the New Living Translation. Hallelujah. Hang on now. Hallelujah. Righteousness. So we got the belt on of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. Hook with the belt of truth. We almost dress. We almost dress. Hallelujah. It said proof. One, two, three, right. So it was not. Paul said in verse 16. In verse 16, he goes then again. In verse 15, he goes on again. Uh, 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 and having stride your feet with the pepper is the gospel of peace. Mm-mm-mm. In other words, he said, you got to get some shoes on. Having our feet with the pebbles of the gods of peace. What Paul was saying for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. The sandals worn by soldiers were made from thick leather and the bottoms were covered with hobnails to create attraction. It also enabled him to stand firm so that his feet wouldn't slip in battle. Without his shoes, he would not maintain his position against the enemy. Also, the Greek word render preparation or readiness, and it means render preparation or readiness. And Ephesians 6.15 can also be translated prepare foundation. In other words, a firm basis for a soldier's feet. Paul says, strive your feet with the preparation of the gospel, the good news. Come on now. We bring the good news. Good tidings I bring. That Jesus is Savior. But that's good news of peace. Be in peace with all men. Be in peace with everyone. Hallelujah. You can't go and tell somebody Jesus loves them and you're not at peace. You have no peace. Come on. He said, we talk about the firm foundation we have is the good news. So then our feet are strong. We're able to stand our position. We're able to stand our ground. We'll not be moved because the foundation is the good news, Jesus Christ. We're standing on that. Hallelujah. So that's how we strive our feet. And Isaiah 52 says that how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Hallelujah. That's how our feet be strived. So also, when your feet are strived with the preparation of the gospel of peace, you will have peace with other Christians too. Peace. In 1 Thessalonians 5.13b, be at peace among yourselves. Mark 9.50, salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in yourself and have peace with one another. Also, there will be the absence of worry. 
that this peace is the confidence that God has everything under control. We may not be in the Roman army, but we are in the service of Jesus Christ. We too have marching orders. How much peace will we have if we follow barefooted? If we want to wear the shoes of peace, we may need to take off a few stinky socks first. Such as, <laughs> such as anger, jealousy, unforgiveness, division, strife. See, you got to take those socks off. Then you can stride yourself with the feet with the preparation of the gospel. You can't go with, uh, with the preparation of the gospel and you still got strife on your feet. Or you still got division on your feet. You still got anger on your feet. You still have unforgiveness. It's not going to work. You see, that contaminate. He said, so, so, so that's what Paul said. So put on that. So now we're we almost there now. We got the belt plate, the, 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 the belt of truth, the belt plate of righteousness. We got the socks of peace or the shoes of peace. Hallelujah. Y'all know what I mean. Help me out here. And in verse 16, he said, above all, taking the shield of faith, which, was, which will be able to crunch all the fiery dots of the wicked one. Paul recommended that we seek the protection of the shield of faith. For the shield is the Christian protection against temptation. Whenever we trust that God will provide everything we need, the spiritual forces of evil cannot tempt us with the lie that sin can provide a better life than God will. When faced with authentic faith in God, the power of darkness are overcome. That is why the apostle John could say, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And 1 John 5, 1. See, the soldier's shield was made of goat or calf skin stretched over some wood. It stood four feet high, three feet wide. The balls were caught inward. They were... Uh, they would douse their shield with water, drench it, and that was for to when they got the hours came at them of fire, it would extinguish them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It would extinguish them. We too, the faith that overcomes the world is the faith in Jesus Christ. We too have that shield, and we drench it too, but we drench it with faith. It's soaking wet and marinated in faith that when the Wicked one, the hours are the, the fiery dots come at us when it hit our shield of faith, it's crunched. It's, it's not because we're soaking wet with faith. Come on now. He can't see the fiery dots, he call our poison dots. That when it hits you, that it poisons you. Come on. But when we got the shield of faith and we're standing there trusting God, knowing that nothing can happen because we, we believe. See, I like what you said, Minister Haman and James. Uh, counting all joy will fall into direct temptation, knowing the trying of your faith, working patient. But let faith have a perfect work that ye may be a child wanting nothing, right? Perfect and wanting nothing, right? But before you get there, come on. You got to go there with the shield of faith. Hallelujah. The shield of faith. Anybody got a shield of faith today? Come on. That God say what he's going to do, he's going to do. Come on. You have, you have faith that this chair will hold you up when you sat down. Then we got faith that no demon in hell can come at us when we're holding the shield of faith. But I like what it said. Not only did the, the soldiers have the shield, right? That shield had another purpose for it. Come on. That shield, 
they had to kneel to be protected from the hour. We got our shield of faith. We have to kneel to God as we pray and believe in that God got it here. That's the shield of faith. When we get on our knees and call on God right there. Not only that, that shield we use that they would take it when they hooked it up with another shield. Come in, Brother Tim. Come in, Sister Todd. Come in. When they hooked it up. Now watch this now. I want you to get this. That when they hooked it up with another soldier or whatnot, they were invincible. Now when Christians come together and they take their feeling of faith and start to lock together like that, no demon in hell will get through because we're backing each other up as we're going forward as we march our shield of faith that no hours will come. We protect on that side. We protect it on that side. Come on now. This is what I'm talking about. That's what the shit. I love it when we get on one accord. When we become into oneness. Look out now. Say one will chase a thousand. Two will put ten thousand to flight. So imagine if we all got together, 50, 40 of us, and start to lock arms with our faith. The devil's mad right now. Somebody shut him up! <laughs> but we letting him know, we know. Come on. Faith is the substance. See, first, for without faith, it is impossible to please God. And spiritual victory won't happen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith assures that God hears to answer our prayers. It speaks hopes in the healing power of God. It gives us assurance that we will have what we need to live. Faith helps us to hold on to the promises of God. Mm. When things look bleak, it reaches beyond what we can see and give us encouragement. That life will work out in the future. Take up the shield of faith. We must first pick up the Bible and open it and hold on to the treasure we find within the pages. Faith without works is dead. You got to open your Bible and you got to read it, the promises of God, what he promised you. You got to do that. See, see, let me tell you something. This is nothing. I'm tired of hearing people say, this is my Bible. It is what it said I am. <laughs> but never open it to see what it says. <laughs> never open to see what it is. Say, so one might open it and read it, and might say, you're a false prophet. They want to be open, but this is what it is. We have to open our Bible. Amen. See, if the devil don't care you are a Bible-toting Christian. You don't open your Bible. He'll probably buy your bigger Bible. But when you open the Bible and your faith starts to grow, Jesus said, you have faith as big as a monster seed. Come on now. And you open that Bible and you start to read from it and you start to see what God says, the promises that God has for you. You can stand there with your shield up. 
In Matthew 21, 21, then Jesus told them, I'll tell you the truth. If you have faith and don't doubt, you can do things like this and much more. You can even say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. New life translation. We're almost there. We're almost dressed. Belt of truth. The breastplate of righteousness. Feet, shroud, feet with the preparation of the gospel. The shield. The shield. And then he goes on to verse 17. He says, and take the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation reminds us that we belong to God and that we have the mind of Christ. In Romans 12, 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The soldiers, the Roman soldiers had a helmet, a bronze, or it would have been a bronze or iron. It had two hinges to protect the cheek, to protect the side of their face and the back of their neck. Our helmet of salvation helps protect our mind. Come on. It protects our mind because the devil tried to attack you in your mind. Come on. The devil will whisper to you, surely God didn't say that. But when you got the helmet of salvation on, you know what God said. Come on now. I am a child. The devil said, oh, you, you, you ain't no good, uh, but I'm saved. I know who I am in Christ. The helmet let me know that I'm saved and my name is written in the land book of life. That I'm a child of God. I'm a king. Of a, I'm a priest, a priestly royal, a royal priesthood. I'm a kid of the kings. Hallelujah. It also let me know that in my, uh, the helmet let me know that when the devil come in like a flood, that God will lift up a standard. Come on. This is what it's saying here. That, but my mind must be transformed. It must be transformed into the mind of Christ. Yeah. Hallelujah. We have the mind of Christ if we so choose to use it. Yeah. Come on now. Not no more of the world. I remember when we were in the world, my mind was on this and on that. And how can I have that? And how can I get this and whatnot? Come on now. But since I came to Christ, uh, my mind was transformed. We must remember that we belong to Christ and we are saved by grace. And we must also allow our helmets of rights to protect our thought life. Woo. The thought life determines whether we experience victory or defeat. If we follow the wrong thoughts, we will fulfill the wrong purpose. The common strip, dealer, and office nerve creates a brain simulator that he wears like a headband on his rather large head. But the simulator malfunction causing him to kill a co-worker in the break, in the break room. While being arrested, Dylan said professed his innocence while admitting the guilt of his cyborg parts. And otherwise, he is admitting that an outside force caused him to lose control. Mm. So, Satan is the greatest deceiver who loves to whisper lies. The enemy serve as an evil brain simulator. Come on. Create misunderstandings and hand you thoughts that not only depress you, but also cause you to do irrational things. 
things that you would never think, say, or do. Come on. But when you activate the mind of Christ, now see, come on. There's things that, you know, he, the devil trying to get you to be, say things that you know you, you know you would never say. Right? Even when you get angry, right? I know. Don't look at me strange. But he is the, the simulator. He attacks your brain. He starts to whisper things in, in your mind. Hallelujah. It says in 1 Corinthians 2.16, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. First yeah. uh, 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 Thessalonians 5.8, but let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. Any soldier who goes out into battle without his helmet is taking a foolish risk. A helmet covers the head, protecting the brains, the organ of thoughts. The helmet of salvation guards the warrior's thoughts and his will. It preserves his life when the enemy attacks and tries to disrupt our thoughts and corrupt our will. We can rely on our salvation to repel the, those attacks. No matter how difficult circumstances, no matter how, how difficult circumstances I feel or how I feel emotionally, no matter how Satan may attack me, I know who I am in Christ. I know that I am a new creature. And 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are becoming new. So when the devil comes and says, are you sure you say I'm a new person in Christ? For the word of God said so. Hallelujah. He could come at my mind, but when I got the helmet of Christ, that's Christ. The helmet is the mind of Christ. The helmet of salvation. I could say, hey, devil, I'm kid of the most high. I'm saved. My name is written in the Lamb Book of Life. Yeah. Hallelujah. But the devil will come and let you see, are you sure you say? The Bible said, I am. So who shall ever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. <laughs> and I know I called upon the name of the Lord. So if we confess with our mouth, come on, believe in our heart, woo, that Jesus Christ came down in the flesh, rose on the third day, hallelujah, then we are what? That's what the word says. Hallelujah. He said, that I am Christ. I know that I am a new creation. I'm no longer living for selfish purpose, but I'm living for the Lord. Hallelujah. We're almost done. We're almost dressed. Verse 17. And take that. And take the helmet and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Paul tells us to take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This description of God's word resembles the Roman short sword, a blade about 20 inches in length that weighed two to three pounds. What made this blade so remarkable was that it had a double edge and could be used for any direction or angle. Soldiers used to use it to step inside enemy's personal space and to stab without warning. When we learn how to battle with the sword of the spirit with its two edges of the word and God's Holy Spirit, the two edges is of the word and God's Holy Spirit. The enemy will flee from us. And Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul 
and spirit and joints and mouth, and is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. Come on. The word is alive. And when we read it, quote it, believe it, and pray it, the life within the word ignites, within the power of the word ignites, the life within the word ignites with the power of the Holy Spirit who dwells inside us. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Where the Holy Spirit dwells, creating a weapon we can use to defeat the enemy. Amen. So you notice that the the, the, the armor, the other is for, def, for, 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 for for defense. The sword is for do some damage. The sword is for attacking. The sword is for to start swinging it. That's what he said. He said, so created a weapon we can use to defeat the enemy. Jesus used the word to defeat Satan. In the wilderness, when Satan said that, he said, turn these stones into bread if you are the son of God. Jesus came with the word. He said, it is written. Whoa. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And then Satan said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. He shall give his angel, come on, charge over you, and their hand they shall bear you. Come on, bear you, at least you dash your foot against the stone. He was quoting Psalms uh, 91, 1, 2. That was, uh, but Jesus again said to the word, said, used the word, it is written, again you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Woo. Now watch this now, how the enemy is tricky. He said, and quoting the protective promise of Psalm 91, 11 to 12 to Jesus, Satan left out the words to keep you in all your ways. See, Satan didn't quote the whole scripture. He used part of it. And, 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 and when we read the sword, uh, 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 the sword, we got to quote the whole scripture. We're not half-stepping, but we're giving it all like it is in the word. So, 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 so the devil tried to play Jesus out. But Jesus knew the word. Amen. And he quoted it. And then, and then, and then Satan said, uh, Talk about this. Again, Satan's trying to tempt you by taking him to a high mountain, showing him kingdoms, kingdoms, the world and their glory, saying, I'll give you all these if you worship me. Jesus said again, come on now. You know what he said. He said, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Hallelujah. See, uh, when you're in your wilderness, come on now. When you're in your wilderness and the devil come to attack you in your wilderness, come to tempt you and say, come on, now, surely, man, why are you, you should be upset right now. Because you look where you're at right now. Things are falling apart. You can open your Bible, which is the word of God, and you can read it to him and say, it is written. County brother, county all joy when falling into direct temptation, knowing the trying of your faith, working patient. Now depart from me. Yeah. Come on now. Hallelujah. He said, oh man, you should be upset in your situation and whatnot. He said, but, 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 but be glad. Yeah. Come on. Amen. I have learned to be content in my situation in Christ. Come on. You got to read it to him. I love the, 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 the Ten Commandments, right? When your Brennan came up there and he said something, he said, so it's written, so let it be done. And so we got to come now. 
we got to come now. So it's written, so let it be done. God says so, so it is. And God is not a liar. He is not a liar who will lie. When God says this, he means it. Come on now. Come on. This is what he's saying here. I love you got to read it. See, the devil don't care if you carry your Bible. The devil don't care if you hold your Bible. But once you open it, once you open it and you start to pull that word out, see, your Bible, that word is like the sword. You slicing and dicing and cutting and whatnot. The enemy's running. He's running every which way. Don't mess with that one. He knows the word. Don't mess with that Christian. He got a sword in his hand and the word from his mouth. Don't mess with him, man. Come on now. I, it's something when I could see a Christian start to get dressed. It's something when a Christian start to get dressed in the armor of God. Man, he start to dress himself up or herself up. And he start to step out in all power. Because what he really doing is putting on Jesus Christ. And whatnot. Jesus Christ is the armor. And when he step out all power and whatnot. No, now you notice there's nothing to cover the back. There's nothing to cover because there's no retreat. There's no surrender. We moving forward. So God said, I got your back. You keep on moving now. And you're walking in the power of his might. Not in your might. You got the shield of faith like this. Come on now. You got the helmet of salvation on. You got the word in your head. And you're swinging here. There, but you're bringing good peace. Peace to all men and whatnot. Come on. That's what it says there. There's something about it, man. There's something about it. You see, us men, when we get dressed up in the armor, and we start to duke it out with the enemy, and he starts to run, we all right. He ran. But there's something about a woman. Mm. When she starts to dress up in the armor, mm. and she starts to do battle with the enemy, and she starts to kick his hind paws all over the place, and he starts to run, she ain't satisfied. She's going to chase him. She's going to chase him. Come back here. I ain't done with you yet. Yeah, she's going to teach him a lesson. You ain't coming around Miss Johnson's house no more. You're going to walk on the other side of the street. Come on, there's something about that. There's something about that. Oh, come on now. I'm talking right. Us men, when we chase her, they, that's all right, but woman, no, I'm going to make sure you know. No, not to come back around here again. Am I talking right? I'm almost done. Woo! But you have to be dressed in the armor of God. Because you ran after the devil in your flesh. He turned around and said, Really? You know, like those demons jacked up the seven sons or whatnot? But I jacked them up. Said, poor we know, well, Jesus we know, poor we heard of, who the heck are you? But when you stand with the armor of God, you are a child of the most high. You are a warrior, a warrior for Christ. And God is raising up warriors. Warriors to take back what the devil thought he took. We was only on loan. We coming back for it. Well, you got to be in the armor, though. And here go the last piece. I'm almost done. Give me five more minutes. I'm done. Hallelujah. Power of the word. If we want to banish the word like a sword against the wilds of the enemy, we must know it by reading it, study it, 
memorize it and praying it, and then we will have authority over him. For in Luke 10, 19, Jesus said, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. You got to believe that. That's God's armor. Now, you were in Saul's armor, that'd be a different story. You'll get jacked up. But when you're in God's armor, man, and you're in the word, and you're in the word, and you gird it up, and you faithed up, and you pieced up, and salvation up in your head, man. But then final, the final weapon in Paul's famous armor passage is prayer. He said, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all preservation and supplication for all the saints. Prayer must buckle on all the parts of our Christian armor. Come on. You can have the armor on and no prayer. It don't mean nothing. It don't mean nothing. See, prayer holds the armor. Prayer holds the armor together. Prayer gives the armor power and whatnot, that you can pray in the armor, stand there, ready to fight and whatnot. Hallelujah. Prayer helps us win our battles as we seek God's direction. It helps us to accomplish our purpose in every area of our life. Plus, it helps us to stay connected with God and give, give us a way to call for God's victory, support, relief, and comfort over situations, people, and causes. Ha! Huh. Come on now. Without prayer, all the armor in the world would be of no use. You could have a tank, one of big giant tanks and whatnot. No prayer, no victory. Come on now. You need prayer. Prayer set the stage. See, I, I love prayer, man. It's something about prayer, man. And, and I'm a guy who like old movies, uh, old classic movies. My wife said, don't you say it. But I like old classic. <laughs> the, the, the movie I watched was Cabinet in the Sky, where little Joe was down on the bed. Now, I told you, come on now. And, and his wife started to pray. She started to pray. See, prayer is a weapon. She started to pray. And she was praying so hard and so powerful that heaven opened up. That Captain Lightfoot came down. Yeah. See, y'all don't know. Y'all got to look at the get, get, Look it up on, online. Captain in the sky. Captain in the sky. That was the angel. He came down. And the devil was standing there. What's going on? And he explained that the prayer was so powerful that it shook heaven up, that they had to come down and answer her prayer. Come on now. You see, when we start to pray, and we start to pray, I'm going to get to this real quick. When we start to pray, hallelujah, he said, if one pray in the spirit, Paul explained this concept in Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the spirit also helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groaning, which cannot be uttered. The emphasis here indicates that the spirit himself prays for us. He intercedes on our behalf before the throne of God, just like Jesus. Jesus, oh, come on. When you're in a bad situation, things are coming to pieces. And you down and you're hurting and you, and you try to open your mouth to pray. Nothing comes out but moaning and groaning. It's your heart, man. And the spirit himself rises up man, and starts to pray for you to God. 
start to send prayers over because you can't got nothing coming. Huh? But the Spirit Himself is interceding. And it's like Jesus on the uh, sitting into the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. The Spirit intercedes where we know not what to pray for. He prays for us. Yeah. Hallelujah. Somebody know what I'm talking about. You've been in that situation, man, where you just ain't got no words. You've been in that situation, man, where you was down on your face, man. And all you was, oh, oh. But it's the spirit. It's the spirit that rises up. Paul says, pray in the spirit. And the spirit rises up in you. And the spirit starts to intercede and start to send it up to God. Then God starts to move on your behalf. Just like they said, pray at all times. And 1 Thessalonians 5, 6, 18, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. To pray continually means without intermission, constantly. Why does Paul go to, to pray at all times? Praying without ceasing means we are always in conversation with God. Just don't pray on Sundays. Pray on Mondays. Pray on Tuesday. Pray on Wednesday. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But he said pray all time. In other words, you're just not praying one time. You're praying in the morning. You're praying in the evening. You're praying in the night. He said continue. In other words, without ceasing, continue to pray. Continue to be in conversation with God. Continue to talk to God. Pray on every occasion. In other words, no matter the occasion, we should pray. Pray upon rising, upon resting, upon dining, committing to work, while working, church, outside of church. Not only in church you come up here and pray a big powerful prayer, but when you get outside the church, you don't do no more praying. Oh, I already did all my praying in church. I'm all prayed out. I'm all prayed out. But I'm so glad. I'm so glad that the child of God never prayed out. Going to continue to pray no matter what's going on, no matter what's happening. He says, say, say, then he says, say, stay alert. And first Peter 5, hey, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That's the New Living Translation. In other words, be alert to the spiritual pitfall of life and take appropriate steps to make certain that we do not stumble. By praying, you are staying alert to the enemy's sneak or surprise attack. See, when you're praying, you in there. Enemy can't sneak up on you. You all juiced up now. You all prayed up that you can see. I see you, devil. I got you. In the name of Jesus, get thee behind me. You know, you juiced up now. You seeing it now. You seeing when the tax coming. See, if you're not praying, you're not going to see the tax. You'll get like Pearl Harbor. He'll come from the air and just ding. Got you. See what he's saying. So we got to pray. And then he said, be persistent. And Luke 18 4B5, though I do not fear God, no regard, man, yet because uh, this widow troubles me, I will avenge her at least by her continuous coming. She worried me out. Come on. Hallelujah. The persistence of the widow, widow is a lesson of the parable. God is a counterexample to the judge. God does not begrudge answering prayer. Jesus' point here is that if an insensitive judge will respond to the continued request of a widow, God will certainly respond to the continued prayers of believers. In other words, he's saying, come on, you got to continue. He said, be persistent. You have not because you ask not. Keep on knocking until the door open. That's what this woman, she kept on bothering this judge. She kept on. He said, wait a minute. I went, you know what? You're wearing me out here. Give her what she needs. Listen, 
when you start to petition to God and you continue to petition and you continue knocking on his door, he said, come boldly to the throne of grace, right? We come holy, but we coming boldly, Lord. And you better open I need something right now. There's something going on and I need, I'm not letting go. Uh, come on. We know the, we know the story, uh, 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 Jacob now. When the angel had said, I'm not letting you go to you, what? To you press me, to you bless me. So I'm like, he hung on. The angel had no, you're blessed now. But see, that's when you go to God, you start to knock at his door, and you don't let up, and you keep on, and you keep on, and you keep on, and you keep on. God said, man, I got the answer to this guy. But you can't worry God out. You can't worry God. God love it when you start to keep on in prayer. God love it when you continue to pray. God love it when you just keep on, keep on banging at his door, knocking. God loves that. Hallelujah. He would certainly respond to our prayer. We just don't pray one time and say, that's it. He said, continue. That's one of the weapons we have. Continue. Prayer, continue. And then the last thing, I'm done. He said, pray for others. In 1 Timothy 2.1, Paul writes, Therefore, I exhort you first of all that supplication, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Yeah. Yeah. All men. Yeah. All men. This is not just for believers we pray for, but for non-believers too. Yeah. He said, uh, all men. Even those that are not saved. You know, we pray for Mr. Trump. Yeah. Amen. 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 We pray for the government. Amen. Amen. All men. We pray, man, for those who, who are our enemies. Yes. Amen. Amen. Those who do us wrong. Those who talk about it. Those who say, we pray for them. Yes. He said, all men. Everyone. Not just a select few all that. Many, many, any, many, many more. I'm going to pray for you, brother. No, we pray for all. That's, what, that's the word. That's not me. That's the word. That's what the word say. That's part of the armor. When we pray for others, we are joining the Savior in his full-time eternal vocation. Make an intercession for the saints. One thing about the weapon of prayer is that we are not responsible for answering our prayers. That is fully up to God. Yet we are responsible for praying. Trusting that God hears and trusting that he is moving. Prayer is a weapon we can use against the enemy with complete trust in God. It's war. It's war. It's war. It's war. Don't you dare think that you're in a battle. Christians are being taken hostage by the second because they forget that they're in a war. They get lax. They get uh, com uh, com complacent. You know, I went to church Sunday. I'm good. I'm good. I can go home and check off my Sunday best. I'm good. But they forget about Monday. The war is still there. The war is still there. Monday, the devil don't stop. He don't take a break. He don't give up. He continues attacking us. We got to remember, but we got to be prepared. We got to be prepared for this war. And the armor of God is what prepares us for this war. 
The armor of God prepare us to be victorious. The armor of God prepares us to fight, man. Because our weapons are not cardinal, but mighty through God. These are spiritual weapons that God had given us. But I'm going to tell you something. When you put on the armor of God, it's putting on Jesus Christ himself. It's Jesus who's standing. You're clothed in Jesus. You infused in Jesus. We should not be afraid of the devil. We should not be afraid. He is afraid of us. Once we come into our potential of knowing what the armor is for, not only knowing what it's for, but of how to use it. Then he's a, oh, what did he, they did, oh, they, they activated the armor. They activated the armor of God. We're in trouble now. We are, listen, listen, Jesus is the light of the world. Amen. And that light is in us. Hallelujah. I love it, man. And I told the story earlier, I love it, man. When we're, we're down in hell when, with the devil, and I'm done with the devil, man, was partying with his boys because they thought that Jesus was done. And they were having a good time down there. But then they heard a noise. And then they looked and they saw a light. A light. The word of God said, the light shining in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended not. Yeah. And I could see that Jesus coming through the darkness and all the little demons running and the devil standing there looking. And Jesus said, how'd you like me now? <laughs> Snatching the keys of hell and death, stomping them on their head, setting the captives free and rose. The devil ain't got nothing on us. Amen. We got the armor. And we know how to use it. Amen. It's like Peter had a knife and knew how to use it. But we got the armor, spiritual armor, and we know how to use it. So why should we run from the devil? We should chase him out of our place. Amen. What he took, we're going to take back. He can't have it. We are war. And we got a God who knows how to win wars. Amen. If you stand with me. Listen. And I'm going to hear me here and there. But my God is able. My God is able. God said, trust me. Don't worry about the situation or circumstances. And with every head bowed and every eyes closed.